You're now tuned in to Underdog Talk. Now I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart. And I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today I have Ms. Dana Bradford Majors. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, are you enjoying the, the heat cold, warm? I don't know what we got going here. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a person that works in the schools, I do the bus route. So we go inside now, but still for those like 10 minutes, it, I'm just sweating. Like mm-hmm. I've just been out there all day, so. Yeah, I'm ready for fall, summer. You can just go ahead and exit. Right. When does fall start? Uh, I think September 22nd. Oh, so we got. Oh, I've had I've had friends tell me September 22nd because I'm ready for Halloween. Uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm just ready for it to get a little cooler. So uh, before we get into today's conversation, uh, I have a team, uh, AU team. We are called the Youth Cheat Code, and we have a fundraiser, and we're trying to raise money for Jim Reynolds more jerseys, um, training equipment, and trainers uh, for our kids. They're fourth and fifth grade. The link will be in the bottom of the show notes, but donate, support the youth. We're just trying to make sure that parents don't have to pay for things because we know it's hard, especially being a parent. So uh, the link will be at the bottom. So I know what you do now, Mm -hmm. but I kind of want to know who you was back in the day. Is this, was it... um, being an author, writing, all this stuff, was that what you wanted to do as a kid or, or it was something else? So that was one of the many things that I wanted to do. Uh, you know, as a child, you really have the imagination for like so many things. I wanted to be a veterinarian, <laughs> but I knew for sure since kindergarten I always wanted to be a teacher. Oh. So um, I had some really dope teachers growing up and just to for them to um, basically spark our imagination taking us everywhere, and we would never leave the classroom. It was just, we, I just had really good teachers, and I wanted to be a teacher like that. Um, I would say probably around third or fourth grade, I started um, essentially trying my hand at writing, and I remember writing all these stories for my fourth grade uh, teacher, and she just like, oh, okay, you got another story this week? And I'm like, yeah, I'll just read it, like, you know, so... She would, you could tell she was being tired, but she never clipped my wings. She would never say, Dana, not right now. Mm-hmm. So I would always give her the stories, and she would either tell me, that you did a great job. Or she was like, oh, you need to work on this one, you know. So that's something that I've always wanted to do as well. So I didn't really get into actually writing for myself until I moved here to Indianapolis. And I remember writing in 2009, A Very Different Butterfly, because... Um, growing up, I was always like the black sheep, you could say. Um, I was really shy, really quiet, wouldn't really talk to anybody. It, it would be places and everybody would be like, oh, you remember such and such? And I'm like, oh, yeah. They were like, you were there? I'm like, yeah. But I would never talk to anyone. Yeah. So um, it was just uh, basically writing about my childhood, how I wanted to be friends with people, and ultimately finding my own way. Wow. So uh, where are you from? Mississippi originally. So how how was it growing up there? Because I remember um, as a kid, we used to go there for family reunions. It was always fun, but it was just hot. hot. It, was hot. <laughs> it was hot as hot as hell. And y'all bugs in Mississippi, they, they like they they not they not the same. Like they <laughs> big for no reason. It's like what is, what kind of bug is that? But I wanted I liked it so much. I wanted to move there, but my mom she wouldn't let me move with my cousins. But 
So how was it growing up there? Um, well, you know, it was I had I had a different childhood. It was an interesting childhood. But um I had at the time um four sisters, uh, two two above me, two under me. So I was a middle child. Um so it was I would say definitely I learned how to roast because mm. <laughs> of my sisters. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was fun. Um we used to um go to uh, New Orleans, Louisiana a lot. My mother is originally, her people from New Orleans, so we used to visit and um, just basically soak in that culture, you know, and just basically come home and, you know, just be a regular old country kid running outside, no shoes on, you know, just, it was, I, I would say I had a pretty good childhood growing up. Yeah. Uh, I'm from a small town, Michigan City, so it's like, probably when they, like, in Mississippi, I have all the different, it's like a small city but it was more white people than it was black people so you dealt with some type of racism mm -hmm. but you kind of click with your and your people because everybody knew everybody everybody was related i wasn't related to a lot of people because my um dad was from chicago and then my mom's family was from michigan so i didn't i wasn't related to people i my child was different because i didn't have i have family but i don't have family like my friend's family was my family like People would be having stuff with their family or like family reunions or Sunday traditions. We didn't really have that. So it was like, man, I don't really know what family is like. So mm -hmm. it was me going outside playing. That, yeah. That's it. And coming in and eating all the food. <laughs> but I do know how to roast too because kids used to try to roast me and I had to get to the point of like, you know, you're not about to be roasting. Exactly. <laughs> you have to learn. Yeah. My, I would say my sister know how to roast, but she don't. But she know how to because I was roasting. Like, I was just a funny person. But we get it from my mom. She thinks she not. We get everything how we act just from her. And mm -hmm. she'd be like, no. So, uh, you said you were writing at a young age. You had some good teachers. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I don't really remember my teacher. Well, our school was. I really don't remember too many teachers because I was bad. I didn't like school. So, it wasn't like I had no teachers. They really probably cared for me. So, it's funny because I had that experience, but then I ended up in education. Uh-huh. It's like, huh? I didn't, what? I didn't like school, but now I've been in education for seven years. So, but I do remember writing, like, at a young age, like, writing those little books that you had, that you were supposed to write. So, what was, like, your imagination as a, as a kid? Was it like you were superhero? Were you, like, an everyday person kind of writer? Like, what was your stories like when you uh, I can remember one story in particular. It was uh, uh, it was space bears in the search for honey, but honey was spelled backwards. <laughs> so basically, it was uh, you have these intergalactic space bears, and they're traveling the they're traveling the galaxy looking for this specific type of honey, and um. They come to Earth and they're exploring. It was supposed to be like a series, but of course, I was only in fourth grade, so, yeah. <laughs> so it was short lived. Yeah, but that's cool that you remember that because sometimes we don't remember stuff like that. But that, why did you spell it backwards? Do you know why? I was really into sci fi growing oh, up, so um, Quantum Leap. Um, we used to watch, we used to watch uh, Star Trek every now and then, and then Star Wars for sure. So, like, we were really in the Wi-Fi. My mom would allow us to watch scary movies and sci-fi movies like RoboCop and things like that. So, I was really into that growing up. 
And then, of course, Thundercats, He-Man, She-Ra, all that good stuff. Yeah, I heard of those, but I never got into sci-fi. Like, I had this, I got a Star Wars shirt, and this dude at work was like, oh, man, you you, you up on the series? What are you talking about? Uh, I just got the shirt. Like, you thought the shirt was dope. That's so yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't I never really got into it. I remember in fifth grade we went to um a field trip to watch it at the movie theater and I was like, okay, this movie cool, but I never that sci-fi, none of that get my daughter, she loves it, she watches that stuff. I don't. Oh, scary man. movies. So like the Mandalorian, none of that? Nah, uh, you miss, missing out. Nah, I don't <laughs> know. Like I I was the type of kid, I was outside. And when I was inside, I was watching sports, mainly basketball. So it wasn't like I watched. I mean, I caught the shows that people watch, but I wasn't really. I'm still not like even movies. It's a lot of movies I ain't seen. I ain't gonna say that, but yeah, I ain't a lot of movies. You might have to be revoking some cards. That's what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> uh, it depends. It depends on the movie, the genre of the movie, because I definitely don't. So as you got older, because <clears throat> you say you were writing elementary, as you get older. Um, did you continue to write did, or were you so were you always writing or was it just a younger thing and then it came back around as an adult so I stopped writing well no I did I had another uh, story that I wrote like in the 8th grade and I never finished it mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me and then um, I would say probably 6th grade up to like 12th grade uh, I started writing poetry mm-hmm. So I was really big on poetry and what have you. And then um, I remember this person that I was really cool with at the time in high school. Like I would show her my notebooks because I had like this pages and pages of poetry. And she found where my locker was and went and stole some poetry out of my notebook. So that that really like stopped me writing for a while. But um, like if it ever came back to me or if something came back to me, I was I would write it. But I would definitely leave it at home. Because I was just like, why are you still in my life? So, that's a question. Um, anything happened to this young lady? <laughs> yes. Oh, but yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, no, because I mean, because <laughs> that was like your own little thing. And yeah, okay. I was just I was just making sure. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. We had a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember doing poetry in like fourth grade, right? I wrote, I just a girl I liked. And I wrote her a little poem. And she showed the whole bat- girls basketball. That's like, oh, he's so sweet. But I never really, like, I wrote poems throughout life. I wrote some recently, but I never really told anybody that, like, I did. I, I just like, I like putting words together. Mm-hmm. Like, I like rapping, but I don't like writing it down. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, poetry is, I did, a, actually, I did um, Poetry Night for the first time ever. Um, it was like, you could go on stage and everybody there was sad. They was just talking about sad shit. And I'm like, man, okay, we I ain't come here to hear no sad stuff. So I I literally was listening to somebody, wrote something down and went up there and did it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. So I definitely like poetry and got some somewhere in some notebooks, but mm-hmm. nobody ever seen them and don't nobody ever ain't nobody gonna take them. You're right. Yeah. But I do gotta never I can't I don't go I'll tell you afterwards about journaling in someone's mm, yeah that's happened to me too yeah yeah see i couldn't put hands on that person <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's for another day so when you were in high school college what were what was life like what was 
going through where you still on the being a teacher um were you sports what was like that part of your life like uh i would say that that's when i had like a paradigm shift of, of sorts um my sister my older sister and i went to, went to college together mm-hmm. and that cultivated a relationship with us where we became closer um so we were always hanging together me her friends or me her and my friends or what have you yeah um just essentially trying to find who I was in that. Um, definitely still wanting to be a teacher. Uh, my my goal was to be a technology teacher, which I am now. Mm-hmm. But um, I really did, they really didn't, I would say, they really didn't encourage women to go into technology. Mm-hmm. And True. so I was, I was determined to be, you know, a technology teacher or someone in technology, but um ultimately I ended up changing my major to English and then my minor was technology education. So um after I graduated from high or college I would say after I graduated with my bachelor's I moved home back with my dad because he was uh diagnosed with prostate cancer and then at the time too I was um pregnant with my oldest son and so I went home and took some uh, took some substitute teaching positions. And then I started working for Bath and Body Works. <laughs> but uh, you still that, work there? No. Okay. No. I just wanted to just. Yeah, I knew you was gonna say that. Don't I don't work there anymore? But um, that I would say that was definitely a growing experience for me, being able, having to you know care for my dad and having to care for a baby <laughs> at the I same bet. time. So it was just it was interesting to then it grew me up really fast. Is because I was like, okay, I'm responsible for more than one life now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and then the June of 2005, my cousin at the time, he was just basically like, hey, you say you want to go back to school and get a master's? I'm like, yeah. So he's like, we got this, uh, they have this uh, dual uh, dual degree that we can go to school for, and you can work, still work full time. And so we went to Alcorn State University, and the Alcorn State University. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's one of the many HBCUs in Mississippi, mm-hmm. and so um, I met a lot of good people there. I, love, I met a lot of my friends there, um, and then it was just essentially people who encouraged me, people who uh, looked up to me, and I was like, "Oh, y'all looking up to me? Like, okay, <laughs> okay." And um, just it was just really good. It was really family centered and friend centered. I I enjoyed my time there, and that basically encouraged me not to give up on any dream that I have going to school at Alcorn because if it wasn't for Alcorn I wouldn't be where I am now so um I definitely had a a wonderful experience there and then ultimately moving to Indianapolis and that's where I met my husband yeah my my college experience was a lot different um I went to school dropped out because I went for technology so I understand what you're saying like there wasn't a lot of girls in the classes that I was in <clears throat> and it was for I was there for programming but I wanted to be for networking mm-hmm. my mom was like nope you sticking with what you you know because back then it's like you go to college that's kind of what you're supposed to do and it's like I only went because I didn't want to stay at home I didn't mm-hmm. like her rules so one college <laughs> accepted me and then I dropped out because my grades was horrible. I just wasn't with it. And then I went to school again at Ivy Tech. And I kind of got good grades, but it was like, ah, I'm just ain't it. So college was just fun. I, I do um, um, miss out on the networking part of it. 
like you see people that you went to school with, like, dang, they doing this. Like, man, I could have, you know, been networking or whatever. But other than that, like college does grow you up. Cause my mom, they couldn't send, they went no money sending on, with no care package. It was get a job, figure out how you was gonna make some money and live on your own. So that kind of grew me up quickly. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to school for fun, the educational part, but I had the learning and fun part. Mm-hmm. My daughter wants to go to HBCU, which she goes to IU right now, but that's what she wants to do after after she does that. And I, I feel like if we, me and my friends would have went to a school like that where you saw people, mm-hmm. especially being from a small town, like you'd be like, man, you actually can do some things because you see people being successful that looks like you and come from where you come from. So shout out to all the HBCUs out there because that's a great experience for our culture. For and sure, for they sure. need to uh, put some more money in them too. Absolutely, 100%. I'm just going to say that. Just from, and I think a lot of us learn that from Deion Sanders, just from the school and seeing what he his team went through and he went through like behind the scenes. And you're thinking like, oh, he's he a billionaire. He should be able to do But it's, it's politicians and all that different stuff where it doesn't pan out for everybody the same way, but it's still a great experience of being around people that look like you. Cause and I'm successful sure. people. That yeah, like that, that's that's the part. Successful people, and they're not drug dealing, they're not hustling, they're not doing stuff that's illegal. Because a lot of us see that when we're younger, and we think that's the move, but yeah. it's, really, it's really not. So, <clears throat> being a technology, um, so you said English was your major and your minor was technology. When did it switch? I'd probably say my junior year of college. Um, just again, like I said, I really didn't have the support like I needed. You know what I mean? So, like, I would go and see my counselor. My counselor like, yeah, yeah, you, these grades aren't it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, and I look at him like, see, I'm getting degrees. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Hey, I like that. So, but uh, he was just like, you have to have at least an 85%. And I'm just, he basically wasn't really someone who was encouraging me. So, uh, I was like, if you know who I am, if if I don't like your energy, I don't like your vibe, I'm out. So, um, I told my sister and I was just like, hey, um, I don't think this is it. Like, I don't think being here for this major is it. So, um, USM, the University of Southern Mississippi is known for their educational um, background so I went ahead and I switched it from technology education to English lit um and I I excelled it was that was one of my favorite subjects in school anyway so I knew I was gonna do well so um I stuck with what I knew and I got out I like that so English I didn't I don't I don't know is speaking part of English Uh, like in the sense of it kind of sort of I would say yes but um, I would say more along the lines of the mechanics of it and the mm-hmm. foundations and everything like that. So that's what I went to school for, just basically the the breakdown of how you actually speak English in America. Yeah, because so. I was just thinking like, I didn't like English. I didn't like the writing. I don't really like writing now, but I write a whole lot. But then in the reading part of it, I, I don't like reading. Like I learned a different way. So I was just sitting there thinking like, how do I? end up speaking and I don't have like I didn't like the fundamentals or the mechanics of it at the beginning maybe I just I don't know I was just thinking but I feel like too anything that's worth learning you should you should learn correctly right Mm -hmm. so even in that anything that you try to learn gets boring it depends on who your who your teacher or your instructor is again like I said I had good teachers 
So they made me want to ultimately incorporate and make sure that when, when I teach, that nobody's bored. So I try to make sure it's as engaging as possible. So um, I definitely try to relate and um, have a rapport with my students. So that way they're, um, <clears throat> you know, so when they ultimately learn, I'm like, oh, okay, this is it. So um, when it comes to technology, both English literature and technology, I break it down in a way where it's just like, I'm not going to let you fail. But these are the things that you have to do. And so um, I had <laughs> I had one student tell me the other day, oh, your notes be lit, Miss Major. And I'm just like, is that a good thing? And so they're <laughs> 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 like, yeah, yeah. So I, that made me feel good as an instructor and as a person because it's just like I'm really taking the time out to make sure that these kids get it. Yeah. And when the, and when the light bulb comes on, it's just like, okay, thank goodness. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I think I'm kind of like that with teaching because it's like, realize it's for me to have structure and being able to build up like the report like a lot of kids come up and tell me all kinds of stuff and I'd be like all right so what and they're comfortable with me and then now I could talk to them or if they acting up or they need some time to talk they'll come and talk to me and I can get them back in in order and be like hey let's make a deal let's do you know if you go back and you don't do x y and z I get you this or and they're like okay cool or they might be struggling, just help them. So me being a teacher, definitely, I had to take a lot of my personality out of it mm -hmm. because I'm fun when it's kids, it's ah, it's all this, but it's like, no, you gotta be more serious so they can they can learn first. So it, it took me a while to understand that. And I had to be teachable while I was teaching because if I wasn't, I would have been the same old person because I definitely was a rah-rah teacher at first. And mm -hmm. I'm like, but I had to learn. So I definitely understand what you're saying with that. So you have um, your publishing company. Yes, he made his publishing. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And yeah, we'll just skip this one. Okay. So the reason why I started B Majors Publishing is because there was a need, mm -hmm. um, and there's a need for a uh, black boy joy. And so what I noticed is we in we encourage our black girls. I mean, so I tell people all the time, I am the epitome of black girl magic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not a humble brag. That's just what it is. Uh, God has bestowed so many things upon me that I'm just, I feel like I'm genuinely blessed in that in that area. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also with that, it's just making sure that, number one, I, I reached out for people to be my mentor. I asked for help. I knew that therapy was dope. So I went to therapy. Like, I had to go through a complete paradigm shift to understand that number one I'm worth it number two I deserve and three make sure that I allow people to know that there's they're a blessing too so yes I I will tell people all the time I'm, I'm not here to for a seat at the table I'm here to shake it. Hmm. you know so um with that it's just me being a mother of both both boys and girls I've noticed that we will pour into our black girls but what you will see for the regular, uh, for the black boys, you see sports. You see, you see something that doesn't basically entail just regular, regular daily events for a child that happens to be black. So uh, with my kids, with my sons more specifically, they may not be into sports. Yeah, well, they are into sports, but what else are they into? You know what I mean? So um, 
what brought about B Majors Publishing is having a conversation with my 11-year-old son now. He's currently 11, but at the time he was four, and he used to go to school where I used to work. And so we would get ready for school, school every day, and so he would be asking questions. And so at the time, he was really into space, and he was really into airplanes and cars and things like that. So he would be thrust, he would be talking about thrust, air, drag, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, so but okay. But those would be things that we would have conversations about. And so um, I remember him jumping on the bed. And he was like, Mommy, look at me, look at me. And I'm like, oh, baby, don't jump on the bed. Like, why not? I'm trying to fly. And I was just like, well, baby, humans can't fly. And so he started asking me these series of questions. He was like, well, birds fly, uh, mosquitoes fly, bats fly. And then he was just like, well, um, astronauts fly spaceships. And then he was like, we, we have hot air balloons. Mommy, you said that we can't fly, but we do. And I'm like, shoot, we do. You know, so I was just like, wow, this is really good. You know, this is a really good story. So I put it together. Um, it was in 2016. I put the book together in 2017. And just basically uh, looking for illustrators, publishing companies. And at the time, <clears throat> when I was uh, marketing the publishing company to other or I'm sorry, the books to publishing companies, they were just like, oh, we love it, but we don't have, we don't have a space for that genre or for that story. So fast forward to 2020, the peak of um, COVID and quarantine, <clears throat> I spoke with one of my friends at the time and who was a, a well-to-do uh, poetry artist. And so he had already uh, self-published like several books and I was like, hey, bro, can you help me? You know, I'm not sure what to do, but I know this is something that we need to do. And so he he walked me through the steps. He was like, "This is these these are the things that you need to do in order to make sure that you self-publish." So um, I was I reached out to an a illustrator at the time. Told her I was like, "Hey, I'm a teacher. This is my budget. What can we do?" You know. And so then she she was like, "Okay, great. This is what we can do for this budget." Um, we put the book together on Lulu. Um, and I remember telling my sister, I said, I think I'm just going to debut the book on P3's birthday, which is in August. And she was like, is the book finished? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, do it now. And I'm like, she was like, what you waiting on? Do it now. So I was just like, okay. So mm -hmm. then, uh, we went on Facebook live and I was just like, Hey guys, I'm going to present P3 with his first book, Humans Can't Fly. So I would say probably within the, the first three months, we sold probably like 800. And we sold copies in, in Mexico, we sold copies in Canada. And so, um, and then very soon after that, uh, how Big Boy, um, I'm sorry, because Big Boy is unafraid of outer space, it's the sequel to the Humans Can't Fly. And it's more, it's based more on a, a, a bedtime story. So, you know, it was, it was interesting to see that dynamic of, okay, this is a dream deferred to fruition. And so when it when it happened, it happened so quickly because, again, we were in quarantine. So everybody's like, oh, OK, well, yeah, we don't have anything else to do but to buy these books. You know what I mean? So um, I would say uh, 2021 was the year that we actually went and made it official with B Majors Publishing. So that way I was just making sure that, number one, the legacy is left with the company and the organization. The kids decided that they wanted to move forward with the, with the company. They have full access to it if something were to happen to me. 
And then two, uh, just basically getting stories from people around the area that's in Indianapolis or in Indiana or anywhere really. Um, but people fail to realize too that this is a one-woman show. Yes, I do ask for third-party outside help, and then I, you know, of course I'm contracting people in. But this is a one-woman show, so everything that is transpiring is because of me, and it's it's very hard work. Yeah, yeah, def definitely. I love that. Um, it reminds me of um, the lady. Her name is Natalie. Uh, she does the mobile bookstore. And yeah. She kind of started because of her son um, asking her like a question about books and stuff like that. So, and you're right. <clears throat> and I was thinking that. Um, to myself, because like I didn't, I wasn't a reader, but it's like, okay, my son, he's not really a reader, but he struggled with it. So I'm like, okay, let's read together, or let's get, let me help him get on it more. Like um, my bro was over, he had the boys read a story and then write out what they wrote, and like I had a cousin, he tall, big, everybody like, oh, he plays sports. My man was trash. Like, he is. <laughs> I'm talking about trash. I told his mom, like, he, like, I used to watch him. I'm like, the younger ones, yeah, they got it. But him, he just don't. He was smart. And that's what he does now with mm -hmm. computers. And it's like, sometimes we can't look at people. I know another guy, he, like, I don't know what he does now, but he never did sports, but he's six seven. It's like, we can't expect people just because they're tall to go out and play sports. We got to have them to do something else. And then I think with reading or any kind of learning, like, you got to figure out what's your learning. Um, how do you like to learn? Because I think everybody's different. And then even being a teacher or educator, like, you got to understand some of your kids, they might learn better sitting on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. so, but I, I love that that you started because of your own, in your own backyard. And then now the world can see it. And then you started at a perfect time with COVID because mm -hmm. everybody just was at the crib. I love, I didn't love COVID because of the, the effects of it. Right. But sitting down and that's when I started doing stuff. I created a clothing line for my son and put and named it after him. So if something ever happened to me, he got that. So it's like you had to take advantage of it. And then people are at home, people are reading. And then it, I know it was kind of like, dang, this is this is my son's story. Like, mm -hmm. so it's a little different than just writing a story that, you know, you thought of or maybe you remember from when you were a kid. You're actually writing about your own child. So that's dope in itself. Um, so I'm gonna get into the questions because okay. <clears throat> I'm sure people have a lot of questions. I definitely do because I want to write a book, but I don't want to write. Oh, well, I'm not sure how that's gonna work. I know because <laughs> I started, uh, so I started writing, um, <coughs> I want to write a book about my life. I started it, I got chapter one. Okay, that's it. and it's like <clears throat> I'd rather talk it than write it because I can talk better than I can write. But I don't want it to sound like I'm talking, if that makes sense. I'll leave you to it. <laughs> no, okay. Give, I'll give you a perfect example. So I'm a co-author in a book. It's like five or six of us. We all did our own chapter. Mm -hmm. And I started writing. And I'm like, this is frustrating. It will, so I talked. But someone told me that got the book or read my chapter. It was like, it sounded like he was talking. It didn't sound like it was written out. So like that. So. I don't want it to sound like that, but I do want to write. I do want. I, I wrote a, a script, uh, like a play or a TV show about my life because I live in the hood in the last three years and been crazy. So I have four episodes. So I do like to write a little bit. I was like, it sounds as if you like but to write. But I don't. 
I don't, I don't like, it's like, okay, if you were like, all right, we got to do a book. You're going to have to be, somebody's going to have to be right there every time I'm writing because I'm going to write and I'm going to stop. But if you put a mic in front of me, I could talk whatever you need me to do. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. You can't be an author without writing. <laughs> That's it. <No>. Okay, anyways. <laughs> All right, anyways. Um, hmm. What would you say somebody, because I feel like writing a book and podcasting is like everybody doing it. Mm-hmm. A person has book ideas in their head. What would be like the first thing that you would suggest them do because I think sometimes people don't realize how much it costs <laughs> to be an author it yeah, ain't cheap it's not <laughs> it ain't cheap it ain't no I was luckily to get in with some other fellas and it was cool but it still cost some money so what would you tell somebody maybe they got the book idea they don't they got it on paper they kind of got it in their head what would you tell them some of the first things that they should do the First things first is number one. Do you have the do you have the gumption and do you have the drive to stick with it? Because it's gonna be some days where you don't want to do it at all. You don't want to look at it. Um, you want to step away from it, which is which is fine, you know, because that definitely could give you inspiration. But if this is something that you want to go in for the long haul, are you do you have the discipline to do it? And I think a lot of people don't, I think they have a superimposed image in their head of what it's supposed to be because of what we're so used to. Me growing up in the 80s, I remember watching movies where these people who will be with these publisher companies have these deadlines and they will be going mad, you know, like they're in front of a typewriter or they're in front of a notebook and they're just going, they're writing for their lives. And I never wanted to be, I never wanted it to be like that. You know what I mean? But we definitely have deadlines, but even in those deadlines, like, they have to be pushed back because something may have happened, you know? So, with that, it comes, it it has ebbs and flows. Are you you strong-willed enough to go through those ebbs and flows, and are you determined and disciplined enough to stick with it? So, that would be my first question to anyone. Um, The second thing would be are you are you going to spend your own money? How are you going to raise money for this? You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it's several different ways. And I'm thankful, again, because I ask mentors, I ask people who are very successful in other businesses, like, hey, how did you start up? You know, and I received a lot of great information where they were just essentially like, you don't have to spend your own money or you need to like do like a Kickstarter or things like that to help to, uh, um, you know, to move forward with your dreams. Cause it's one thing to have the money and to start your own business, but it's another thing to go into your money that you've been saving for something specifically. And you drained all your money because you're trying to live on this dream of yours that you want to see coming to fruition. And you don't want to do that because you definitely need to have a balance. Like, okay, this money is running out. This is all I got for this business. So what are you going to do in order to make that money, make sure that money is continuously coming in? So that's a that's a big thing as well, making sure that you have the income to support your dream. So those are the two biggest things I would say for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the discipline part. I think discipline is part of any success, um, no matter what it is. If you don't have it, because it's going to be days where you don't want to do it. There's days where I don't want to do this. I don't, 
I hate editing. I know with this episode, we got to edit just because the memory card thing. So, well, mm. they know we got to edit. I got to edit. <laughs> but right, so like, it's, it's days where you don't want to do it. But then it's like you like you say, you can take a day off or two uh, or whatever. But you got to understand, get back on that horse. And then, <clears throat> like you said, when you got you got your nine to five, you got your bills that then went up mm-hmm. and the nine to five didn't go up. But then you also like, I don't really want to work this nine to five. I want to do this over here. You got to figure it out mm-hmm. with the money. You got to do all kinds of stuff. Like I just learned a little hack to do with the podcast um, from somebody sending a video. And it's like, even though I'm a beginning podcaster, I can take that and make some nice money off of it. And when I get to a little more, I can make enough where I could go and be like, hey, yep, um, I'm done here. Right. Ain't no need for me to come back. Don't <laughs> look for me to come back because I ain't coming back. So that's the same thing with with writing. Um, I remember they were like, yeah, you got to have X amount of dollars. You got that. Then you in and then you got to pay the rest. And I was looking around and my ex-wife, uh, I think we was dating at the time. And she was like, go ahead, do it. Because it's like. If you don't do it at that time, that money ain't going to be there. At all. You're going to be like, dang, I had it then. Because I think when people are trying to be entrepreneurs or have their own business or do a project, we we can spend money on stuff that don't matter. But when it comes to stuff that matter, we, oh, I don't know if I got it. It's kind of, uh, I want to say, like, t- take us to church like tithes. It's like, ah, oh, if I get these tithes, I ain't really got it. But God, the one that gave it to you, so you got to. It's like you got to do the important things first. Mm-hmm. And discipline, you got to have that discipline. For sure. So, mm, when writing, what, for you, what were things that inspired you to write? And what would you tell, what's the best uh, space to write in? Oh, man. Um what inspired me to write was just, I really, I really didn't have an inspiration per se. I know that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. I was just, just that kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was always into the book fairs, troll, all that stuff. Yeah. And so I was just like really into it. So I was like, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just, I would just say that I just looked at it and was just like, okay, yeah, this looks easy. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's not, but <laughs> but at the same, but once it comes to you, it comes and like it flows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So definitely, the inspiration has to be there for sure. Um, and what was your second question? I'm sorry. Uh, like the space, because I think I guess it'd be different for everybody. Um, I I don't I think I had somewhat of a other question, but like, what kind of the space would you somebody that never wrote a book that wants to write a book? Because I think. Sometimes people might be writing. Well, I guess I guess it's just different for you or mm-hmm. suggestions you have for people. Um, it's interesting. Um, I can write if it comes to me. I can write anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember writing on the airplane. I remember waking up out of my sleep. It's like, oh, oh, here's a great idea. So writing out that sometimes I write out of frustration, mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to finish this book, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um. If I'm frustrated with certain things, like I will essentially become laser focused and like, okay, I need to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely go back to my notebook and, and finish a story or something like that. So um, I would say definitely 
for people who are beginner writers, um, find a space where you're comfortable. If you like listening to music, don't listen to nothing that's gonna hype you up. Uh, <laughs> because you'll be sitting up like, yeah, you yeah. know, the net story may not come out to how you want it to be. Yeah. But um, I definitely listen to music. I listen to Chill Hop a lot on on YouTube. Mm. That just basically puts me in a spirit or in a, a vibe of, you know, just being calm and relaxed and just essentially letting the uh, ideas flow. But definitely be in a space where you're comfortable, where you're calm, where you feel as if you're, there are no distractions, things like that. So you could for sure, you know, allow for your brain to start thinking of, of ways and ideas of how to get your story going. Yeah, I think because I was sitting there thinking before I asked, um, the reason I asked, because I think sometimes people overthink. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Just write. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just gotta write. Like I feel like that. Um, when I do videos, it's like just do the video. I don't care if you're in the Uber, if you somewhere, just go where the background noise ain't too bad. But you just gotta do it whenever it comes to you. Cause <clears throat> I notice I'll do that. I'll be like, oh, I'll come up with an idea, right? Don't write it down. Like I'm gonna remember it in the morning. I'm gonna do it in the morning. No, nope. don't remember it. And it's a fire idea, and I'll be like. Hey, what was it? What was it? So even if I am like, don't want to get up and do it, I write it down so I can remember. Even if I don't remember the whole context of it, I remember enough to to do that because I think we miss ideas and we miss opportunities for ourselves when we don't write it down right away. Agree. And and calendar too, because I don't. Oh, I live live by my calendar. If it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. (laughs) Well, I. I live by oops. Oh, 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 dang. I got something to do today. Like, I don't know. I'm working on it, but yeah. So, um, traditional publishing or self publishing? Well, I guess you that kind of you kind of answer that because you got your own, but But, yeah, I mean, but it depends. Um, Mm -hmm. what's more lucrative? Like, do are you sitting on a um, are you sitting on an idea where? If a publishing company comes to you and they say, okay, well, this is a great idea. We want to go ahead and move forward with it. Here is uh, a contract. Here is the money, all the money up front. If they put you on a, a tour, you know, a publishing marketing tour or whatever, I would say go for, you know, traditional publishing. Um, but again, like I said, there's nothing wrong with self-publishing either, but you have to know at the end of the day, like, this is you. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you're not publishing, if you're not pubbing it, then it's not happening, you know. And then you just have to make sure that number one, two, you have to make sure that you realize that you're gonna have to be a people person. Mm-hmm. And if that's not you, you're gonna struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, I had to do a paradigm shift to where I was just like, okay, well, if I want these books to sell well, I have to be a personable person. You know what I mean? So. People have to come up to you and they ask questions. And they're gonna uh, be excited to see you and things like that. And you just have to, you have to be just as excited. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just making sure that number one, you're marketable if you're doing self-publishing, and two, uh, you do have to be friendly and cordial and ensure that the people who are interested in you and interested in your ideas, they continue to be interested in your ideas and they make sure that they they continue to support you. And so I would say for sure, if you're going to do the traditional route, um, which is, you know, traditional publishing, for sure, I would I would go for that if that if that um, 
contract and that money is lucrative and good for you. But I mean, there's actually nothing wrong with being a self-publisher either. Just know that that's going to be you, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think people don't realize that. Because I had a friend, she was just, she just wrote a book and she was, you know, she did the traditional, I think she did the traditional way, but it's like, you would want to do it the self-publishing way, but then when you realize, oh, I got to do everything. Oh, everything. And it's because I think some, it depends, like you said, um, that's almost sounds like a, a record deal. Like with, oh, yeah. like with traditional publishing and mm-hmm. even like what I was explaining that to on podcasting, it's a lot of different ways that you can get with a company and then they'll set you up, but then you don't know what kind of contract they're going to have or however many books or however many, whatever you got to do. So it's like the self-publishing is cool, but then I think for me, I would go with the route of going with somebody that already done it. Um, just so I don't have to do all the other extra stuff that I don't like to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I guess it would just depends on the person. And <clears throat> is tradi- the traditional way, which way is cheaper? Uh, traditional. traditional. I would say for sure traditional. Uh, but also you have to keep in mind too, hire an attorney to look over any contracts. Hire an attorney to look over any contracts. If you have a cousin as an attorney, <laughs> anybody. Anybody who is well-versed into seeing what these companies are doing, please have them to look into it and see if it's more lucrative uh, to be with traditional publishing or if it's better to be self-published. I would say for sure it's just making sure that you see why, for sure. Because like you said, okay, if these are a certain amount of books that need to be sold at this certain amount of time, if you don't do it, you owe the company. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you don't want that. So, for sure, you just have to make sure that you are, you know, that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to any type of business because at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. And I, and you got to get a lawyer for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in business, it don't matter. Get you a lawyer. Like, because you don't want to be a hit, you don't want to get success. And then, taxes come or whatever come that you didn't even read about mm-hmm. and you like wait where does that come from and now you looking like TLC and, <laughs> right yeah because you didn't have the right people around you so that's definitely important to have a lawyer I don't care what you're doing you could be the publishing company the, uh, the author whatever make sure you have a lawyer for what you do because mm-hmm. it'll save you a lot of pain in the long run mm-hmm. um what are Cause I got, I feel like I met, I, I didn't go, I didn't touch everything that I want to touch, but, um, what are some tips that three tips, somebody got a book, they read it. I mean, they wrote it and they need the next steps. What are the next things that you would say they do? They got it all on paper. They, um, grammar lead it themselves, but now they think they're ready to go out there and get the book published. What would you tell them? three steps to do after they got it and maybe they only edited it. They didn't take it to nobody yet. They need to take it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you make sure that you have a second set of eyes, somebody that's trustworthy, number one. Um, you have, excuse me, <clears throat> you have students who are in school that does this, mm-hmm. you know, like you have professional editors, take it to Ivy Tech, take it to 
take it to a college and it's like, hey, this is a book. Are you interested in reading it? Or you can go on, I would say, Fiverr or anything, any place like that to have someone to look over your work. Because once you once you publish that body of work and people see mistakes, like, oh, yeah, no, they, we're not reading this. We're not getting into this. Because the unfortunate part about that is when self-publishing, everybody feels like you have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. No, this is where you outsource. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for sure, making sure that you have somebody who's looking over your body of work <clears throat> that's an expert that's skilled in that set to um, making sure that if you do plan on doing these things yourself, these steps yourself, these directions yourself, you go to the best YouTube university you possibly can, you know, because <laughs> it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, again, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how blessed I was during quarantine because I paid for a lot of stuff, but because it was quarantine, people had time to be overproductive. And so, um, when you found somebody who could do those things for you, and like I'm like, okay, this is the budget I have. What can you do with this budget? It's people still getting paid, but they had the opportunity to sit down and like, okay, be very meticulous about it. Um, but everything that you are willing to do, make sure that you have the money to do it. Don't just put out trash work because mm-hmm. people are not going to take you seriously. Um, so I would say, number one, make sure that you hire an editor. To make sure that you are outsourcing to people who, number one, are quality, have quality work. And that includes putting the book together, that includes marketing the book, anything like that. So just making sure that you have the money to make sure that you are, you know, devoting that time and putting that, you're inputting into yourself. You're essentially giving back to yourself to make sure that you have quality work. Uh, I love those tips. Yeah, definitely, uh, editor. Um... I probably need everything I write edited by somebody professional because my text messages start off bad and I know <laughs> what they do. And then I'd be like, man, I got to start writing better. I, I ain't going to lie to you. I love AI. <clears throat> it helps out us mm. people that that don't know how to write. Put to, things together. Yeah, put but, it together. I mean, uh, an expert will know that it's AI. Somebody who is attempted to uh, try to get, get over on me on AI a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, that's AI. Okay, so I need to go back to my <laughs> old my old days of uh, reading something, taking some words, I'll make it sound like me. Paraphrasing. Yeah, paraphrasing. <laughs> okay, got you. Because I, listen, I would. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Then. AI has made it easy for everybody. And I think for me, like, I have a love tolerate relationship with AI only yeah. because. I'm I'm an author, and yeah. this this gentleman um, he actually caught a lot of flack for it. He he actually used AI for his illustrations. He used AI to actually make his story, and he made money mm-hmm. off of it. And so he basically was like, "Yeah, it really don't have to be an author. You can just go to AI. AI write the story for you." And I'm just like, "Well, what about us? You yeah. know what I mean?" And that's that's the world we live in. It's like. Uh, cars and all the technology or even sports like the stuff that these kids have that we would love to have and it's just the t- the world that we live in but that kind of sucks because you don't that's not authentic I it's think not. like I use it for promotion and stuff like that but for the most part I'm putting in 
how I want it to sound. I just want it to sound a little better, and I might change it up. Like, I'm not oh, yeah. really using it to make it sound like AI, because like you said, a lot of people can, boy, you, boy, you, don't, talk, boy, right. you don't talk like that. You ain't <laughs> never put that word with that. So, I mean, it is a love or hate, because, like, with being on social media, you use it, but then you don't want to get caught up in it, and then you do want to write, and then you go to AI, and then it's like, this don't even sound like me. Because mm-hmm. I would never, if I ever wrote something, I want it to sound like me. I want you to feel every emotion I had when I wrote it. I want you to feel how I felt. I want I want to walk you through the story instead of you just reading like, oh, okay. And I don't think that would happen with AI. That's just... That's I do feel like it's a good assistant. Yeah. Now, as far as like guiding someone, for sure, use it as a framework. Don't use it as your work. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Yep. I like that. So um, tell people how they can reach you on social media. How, yeah, I guess social media. I was about to say on the on the web, on the internet. I'll be sounding old. But yeah, um, tell people how they can reach you on social media. Our social media is B Majors Publishing. Uh, B Majors Publishing Instagram, B Majors Publishing Facebook. Be major function TikTok, even though we haven't put a TikTok in a while. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. Like, I watch TikTok, but I watch TikTok through Instagram. Like, they're crazy. I just- yeah, I don't. I, I call it Tiki Tack. I don't really. <laughs> I, I, I got on it when I was a preschool teacher, and it was fun because I had a whole lot of video or content from being a teacher, but I just. I don't know. I, I genuinely cannot do not another social media like i am in my social media capacity yeah. but uh i made sure that i have be made disruption tiktok because ultimately my goal is to have a social media uh, marketer so once i hire that person they'll be able to do all yeah, that, that stuff. yeah me too i need so, that hire i need a social media manager because i hate social media i don't like being on it because it's so addictive. Yeah. Like, I go on there, post a video, or I'm waiting for my video to load, and I get to scrolling, and I'm looking at stuff. It's like, I don't really want to be on here. Or you just get caught up in, uh, people get caught up in looking at what other people do. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, I try to give people work. Like, I want you to see, I started here, and event, I walked you through the steps of it. I don't want you to be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing all great and all this. No, you got to. You got to show people how to get there instead of just tell them how to get there because you could tell them how to get the water, but don't mean they're going to drink it. That's true. Um, uh, my goal was uh, like ultimately, I, I, tell a lot of, I tell a lot of people, I, I try to be my authentic self, but at the same time, it's a part of me that wants to stay in my, in my bubble with my people in my circle. So I definitely don't want to be famous, um, but... <laughs> I definitely want to be known for my work and what I what I've showcased and what legacy I'm leaving for my kids. And so I I know that there's probably a fine line, but I definitely want to stay in my authentic self without the fame. Yeah, but definitely give me the fortune, but not the fame. <laughs> yeah, I I feel the same way. But it depends on what you do and how big of an influence you are on social media. Mm-hmm. To where I feel like. I probably people know me and stuff, but I like I want my house. Um, I don't know if you um, ever heard of Jamal um, King. He uh, does real estate, a nine to five millionaire. But his house has everything that like you don't have to leave the house to do nothing. But mm-hmm. not maybe not even grocery shop because somebody does that. 
But that's how I want my house. I want the court. I want the pool. I want everything at home because I don't want to go outside because outside is like the energy you get. It's like, uh, like I'm going to have a small enough people to where we're going to have fun. Now, you know, we go on trips and go other places, but I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't want the, the fame. I want the fortune, but I don't want the fame. Right. Well, I want a little bit of fame to be able to, I feel like the fame would be able to put my kids or um, have them around certain people and make me look like a cool dad. So, yeah, yeah, well, of course, yeah. that's a given. Yeah. But it's just making sure that there there are boundaries with that fame. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. I have, if I could have, uh, well, if I could be diet famous, I would say. Yeah, because I, like, nobody gonna know who I'm talking to until I probably say I do. We might be married five years because I feel like social media ruins a lot or just when you're doing a lot, people in your business, like, you don't need to know who I'm talking to. You don't need to know nothing. You don't nothing. Because guess what? I'm not going home to you. I'm not going <laughs> home. Like, I have, I never like social media with relationships. It's like, why? Who, who is that? They paying these bills? They're right. helping us? They not? Okay, we don't, I don't care what they got to say. Like, exactly. I, I give two shits about the people on, on social <laughs> media. And that's why I don't say much because I say a lot of probably controversial stuff because I think outside the box and I just like to question everything. So that's why I just think to be in it. But um, you told everybody how to reach you. We need a, like a closing word. Oh, no, no, no. Before the closing word, I need a quote. A quote? Yep. It could be your quote, whatever kind of quote. It could be to help somebody want to be an author, though, or somebody that, you know, they don't know if they want to do the traditional or if they want to do self-publishing. They, they're they inspiring author. They need some type of motivation. Anything that you do, you need to make sure that you have faith, consistency, support, and hard work. Anything that you do, you need to have faith, consistency, support, and hard work. Anything. That, that's simple. And you, I, I want y'all to see what she said first. Faith, faith comes first. And I'm learning that. I'm, I'm learning that. Like, hey God, let me talk to you first before I go and do something. Or you think of an idea, or you something, and you talk to the wrong person, they could talk you out of it. And mm-hmm. God could be like, that's your fault. I had something in store for mm-hmm. you, but you wanted to go over there and listen to uh, old girl. But hey, that's on you. I so mean, I even that. even with that, it's like faith in yourself. Like even the times that you get down on yourself and. You, you start demeaning and belittling your work. It's just like, no, I have I have faith. I've made it this far. Why would I stop now? Why Why am I stopping now? Like you don't need you don't need a star to see yourself shine at all. Yeah. So yeah, because you are the star. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, doing this and if you're doing stuff by yourself, it's gonna be days you want to throw in that white flag. Yeah, you know, I'm telling you is because life it life be life i was just about life, life be life life it's, but then like it could be that day you gave up and that could have been the day you got the yes you needed or mm-hmm. whatever it could be so it's like you got to keep going even when it looks ugly and that's why social media is it's not the devil but it got traits yeah because you watch other people and you're like dang man they just started last year and they they ain't just start last year, trust me. No. They just start posting last year. Right, and that's the thing. Like, I normally tell people I post and ghost because I try not to scroll because mm-hmm. it's just like I've learned, too, you drink water and mind your own business. Like, <laughs> mind your business. Make sure that you're paying attention to your family, your business, and that's it. Like, you could be friends with people. That's not a problem. Like, you can have people to confide in or whatever, but for the most part, mind your business. 
So for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, <coughs> excuse me. What she said. Mind your business. I mind my <laughs> business. Because I think minding other people's business costs. It ain't money. It costs your energy. It costs mm-hmm. your time. It costs, it could be some stress involved. So yeah, mind your business. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm still figuring out how to say closing. So we don't give us something um, we can end on. I don't like saying closing words. I like church. Uh, <laughs> something we can end on. Um, let me see. Something I always say. Um, this is your child's favorite teacher. Now your child's favorite author and your favorite CEO. Signing out. Thanks so much for having me. And make sure that you follow me on social media. Be Majors Publishing. Keep being great. Have a great day.